episode number seven of Knockout Ginger with Tara Canagera and Kira May. They have a new podcast called Grillith Fair. They're putting out music. They're doing stuff. Tara is on the right channel. Kira is on the left. I'm somewhere in the middle. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. too much one could yeah. say um and our projects we've talked about this so much actually but we haven't put it on our podcast actually yeah i, I always edit it out really that's why that's interesting because our interviews go so long that oh, i have to yeah. take something out i'm like we don't need well to this could be right on knockout ginger then do you want to save it for your podcast no, no it's no, better no, no. <laughs> i it's better to uh do it here yeah because we're the guests. Yeah, we are the guests. We're the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, our projects weigh really heavily on us. And uh-huh. as you know, as an artist yourself, when you're putting together a project, however large or small, it could be like just putting together a band or an album or a show, um, it can be really challenging. And it always starts with all these hopeful intentions. And then... It does grind down, like you kind of you're whittling yourself away because it takes so much work. And I don't mind it; I like it actually. I kind of like a little bit of punishment, but it can lead to some dark places if if it goes unchecked. Mm-hmm. So if you're only focused on yourself and your art and how it makes you feel, uh, the world, the outside world, you you start to lose a little bit of perspective. I certainly do. So when we talked about putting together a podcast like a while ago. Yeah. And then it kind of just fell by the wayside. We had like one meeting. Do you remember? Yeah. It was like a year ago. Yeah. We had like one meeting and then we just like didn't do anything. Yeah. Only- I, I know this whole thing also. Yeah. We must have. Were you, maybe you, me? Did we tell you already? We must have. I don't know. Oh no. This is what you experienced. Like you thought about having a podcast and didn't do it and then all of a sudden you did it. Oh, no, I, I just meant, like, with life in general. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you meet with someone about something, and you're both stoked, and then two years later, you're like, remember that meeting we had? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't we do that? It's true, and I sent her a text one day, because I was feeling particularly low, and I was going through some problems, like, I had some serious anxiety that I'm dealing with now, and I'm getting help for, but a lot of my anxiety dealt with, like, blowing so much out of proportion. Mm-hmm. going down those weird spirals or going down like spiraling out of control essentially so uh, I'm like man I need something else I need it and I'm like what could I possibly do yeah. and I sent Kira a text being like we should do a podcast and I'm just like yes <laughs> yeah and then we actually did it mm-hmm. and we're still doing it nice. yeah. <laughs> four episodes in Um, When did you guys start? When did we start? Um, We started, I think, our first, our second first meeting was maybe in February. Yeah. And then we decided to release in May, so we were, like, taking a few months to prepare and figure out what we wanted it to be like. And then it just, one kind of beautiful thing about Grillith Fair is that it almost seems to have a life of its own. Like, we just sort of got the bolt, the bolt, the ball rolling, and then, like, gravity's picked it up or something, and it just seems very, the growth of it so far, which, again, like, it's just a, it's a baby right now, right. but it's felt very natural and organic, and um, people want to help us, and people want to be on the show, so it's, like, growing in this beautiful way, um, and... As we were planning it, it was really important to us that, like, okay, it's going to be an art podcast because that's all we know. (laughs) But we also wanted to be, like, a socially conscious 
podcast and kind of like interviews meets social commentary meets just like fun shit that we like to do um and we want it to be about these serious topics but we also really want it to be fun and like just like hilarious funny i mean i i don't know if it's hilarious we're not i think it's funny sometimes yeah, we're no Nathan Fielder, but... We're not comedians, <laughs> let me, like... I think I, it's funny. Yeah. I've we're laughed. We're not, like, we're casually <laughs> funny. Like, comedy is an art form. Yeah. That we don't practice, but no. we appreciate. <laughs> but, like, I, I do laugh when I listen. I'd like to get some comedians on the show, though. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, but we also... A big um, motivating factor for making it is that... You know, it's the year 2019, and things are... Delightful. Of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They are. Well, what I was going to say was, the world looks like a mess right now, yeah. because... I was joking, I, I totally... Because, yeah. no, like, a lot of darkness is being uncovered, and that's great. Like, I think it seems all crazy... With the exception of, like, climate change, like, which is, like, gonna kill us, but <laughs> but we're seeing more darkness because it's being looked at, finally, and it's being acknowledged, mm-hmm. um, and we're starting to see in societies like ours recognition of more people who aren't just, like, cis white men, and it's a beautiful thing, and even though we're seeing a lot of that happen in art practices like music is the one we know best it's still a struggle for like women or gay or trans or bi or like people of color folks like anyone who doesn't fit into that really narrow experience of like white manhood basically since white manhood um gets really overlooked or there's not there's still not a ton of space for for those folks and so we wanted to just do our little part to like talk to artists making work um that speaks to marginalized communities and like not that we have a huge audience or anything it's not like oh we're like <laughs> we're gonna make their careers no not like that but just like we want to know more about their art practices so that we can learn and we can show our listeners what other great artists are making like regardless of what they look like or who they are right yeah Yeah. like shining a light shining a light and transparency I think are the keys to making good choices in society yeah because as soon as you see things and as soon as you're transparent about what they are whether they're good or bad people have to acknowledge them again whether they like them or not so when it comes to injustices with people of color, marginalized communities, when people see it, it forces them to take a look at the thing and themselves. And you are forced to ask questions. And you're forced to look at the things that you may not be comfortable with. I actually watched this, speaking of television and, <laughs> and trash, I watched uh, this clip of the Dr. Phil show. Oh my god. <laughs> and it was I actually got incredibly emotional watching this because Dr. Phil was talking to a father who's straight out of like white right right wing America just factory worker styles. <laughs> yeah. Um though I don't know if he was one. And he was being shown his now daughter for the first time so basically his son had gone through a transition and was now a woman and she walked in front of him and his reaction was so gut-wrenching he just lost it he he wept uncontrollably he was making noises the way that you would make noises if you couldn't control yourself you know and uh his daughter just wanted him to see her new self. Yeah. And he was, you could see in that moment, he was just confronted with all of the biases that he has mm. and all of the things that he wishes that his son could be versus now his daughter. 
and he was just crying. He couldn't stop. But you could tell that he still loved his daughter, that he wanted to understand, but he physically was couldn't compute it. And again, just being shown something that makes you uncomfortable, as close to home as that, will change can change so much. Yeah. And I I was started to tear up because I felt so much for the father. I understood that struggle instead of because I I tend to look at the person. Mm-hmm who is being marginalized. Being a woman and being brown, I always like paying attention to that person, but this was kind of a bit of a shift for me in that I was really paying attention to the white man and his struggle to try to be better in that moment, uh, I now have a little bit more empathy and I'm a little less protective just because of that one clip. You know, it was a bit of a bridge and it was the Dr. Phil show. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. But, yeah, I hope our podcast will shine lights on people. It has, already. Thank you. And this is in no way, like, um, an anti-cis white man podcast, by the way. (laughs) But also, even if it was, fine, like, (laughs) that wouldn't be an awful thing. Mm -hmm. But in our mission statement, it just says, we do whatever we want. You guys have a mission statement? Oh, yeah. I gotta get my life together. <laughs> mission statements help, man. I, I swear. We send them to all our... Because we're now... We're branching out. We want guests who we don't necessarily know. We're trying to, like... We're like, this is what the podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Get on board. Yeah. And it helps to, to think about it. It's made me a lot more thoughtful about when we interview people. Because there is a little bit of a mission, mm-hmm. actually... And I, I do. I always allow room for what like craziness, of course, because sometimes those are the most exciting moments. It's like that randomness. But then to have like it grounded in something that I care about or a mission that I care about has been helpful for me. I think. And I think you're. I mean, I feel like you talk a lot about artistry and musicianship. In your podcast, yeah, yeah, that's basically all it's a, it's supposed to be about, and a little bit yeah. of dark. Should we talk about that? Dark humor sprinkled in. Yeah, oh, nice. I think my mission is like, I just want to like, I realized how how simply you could do this, and how low budget this whole process could be, mm-hmm. and I got very frustrated with, um, uh, how much money we're spending, or not me. I've never fallen into the trap. You idiots! But like uh, the the idea of like young musicians who um, are playing pretty uh, sort of experimental stuff with not a huge audience, mm-hmm. and you're still like whether or not you have grants or not, but you're spending so much money on a record, and then publicity for that record, and would and like paying people to tell people that your record is good yeah or something and it's like just money that's we don't need to be spending more money you know yeah so just like if I figure out a way to make a platform for all of us to just talk at people you know Uh then that that's the mission statement basically but like I'm so frustrated with just hearing how much my friends are throwing away on making records and then telling people, paying people to tell other people how good they are. It's like a crazy thing. It is crazy, especially hearing all that come out of your mouth. It's like, yeah, that's junk. Yeah, because there's like a system. Yeah. So essentially, and, and, and it, it's a system for any type of artist. And for people that are in the experimental avant-garde scene, like you are, and sometimes I am, depending on what project Mm -hmm. I'm in, you still have to go through that same system. Yeah. And you're not going to yield the same results as someone who's going into pop music or rock music. 
Um, but even those people, there's no guarantee of success. And right. yet you have to like pump all this money into it, whether it's through grants, yourself, people that like friends and family. Um, and there's these expectations. Like you make a record, you have to get it done at this studio or these few studios with these few mixing engineers and mastering engineers. And there's the people you go to and rules you follow and money you spend. And then public publicists that go to people and, and, has and to get barter to get price. you, you know, like to <laughs> get fork. you, exactly, to get you onto these like blogs. Like it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go out the other side and maybe you'll be a step further and maybe you won't. Mm-hmm. So it is no surprise to me that people are getting into podcasting because you're like circumventing this whole system. You're not going through all these processes to get your stuff out there in this specific way. You're just doing it and just getting content straight to the end user, whether it's a user or not. And it may not be a huge audience, but it's the success of a podcast is just as random as the success of a record that you put tens of thousands of dollars into. Mm-hmm. So it's like really alluring, the idea of being able to just like, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to put it out next week. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. You know? So I totally get why it's becoming a thing to... to have a pod I certainly enjoy it <laughs> yeah it's so much more work than I anticipated but the work is going down like I'm figuring it out yeah so this is it's becoming a better idea <laughs> the longer that I'm in, in it but who knows Keep maybe this up. is the last one no <laughs> uh, I'll knock you out <laughs> uh, I listened to both of your records Yesterday, I listened to yours today. I point. I just pointed at Kira <laughs> for all the listeners out there. And I listened to Tar as the day, the night it came out. And there's a that thing that I can't describe to people about when you listen to good music and you there's like a a familiarity that you can't quite. It reminds you of something that you can't put your finger on, blurred with nostalgia. Sort of. That's how I feel when I hear stuff I like. Does mm. that make sense? That's nice. I love that. And they both, you both mm. had it. Thank it was you. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Whose did you like better? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so competitive. That was a joke. <laughs> um, I haven't figured out how to do that, I don't think, yet. How to, like, reach. Uh, how to blur the lines between all of the things, you know? Like I just make racket at this mm. point. But there's like a passionate racket. But <laughs> there's an audience for outsider art. Yeah, I think totally. But I'm trying to like figure out a way to um, like I would I would show both of your records to my mom and. <laughs> And also, I like them. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. So, I don't know if I would ever be able to have someone show my music to their mom. But yeah. I want to get closer to that, you know? Like, yeah. because I like everything. Does that make sense? Yes. I like it as a as a form of measurement. Like, yeah. mom-o-meter. Yeah. <laughs> And I hope I also hope that doesn't like all music is created equal. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't a like my mom doesn't really come to see me play that often. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know why that is. Like obviously, it's mom, cha- like artistically, yeah. intellectually challenging. Yeah, yeah. Or not even. I don't think like to like the average person. It probably is like I'm not because I've heard your music it's awesome and it's stuff it's like a it's stuff that I know well I know that world well because I've spent so much time there so I have the vocabulary for it and uh, I have like the pathways in my brain to hear certain things that feel familiar my mother she doesn't always like my music she's very honest with me and She's like, it's too loud, or can you do more? And she loves classical music. Yeah. 
She loves, um, my, she likes everything so, like, everything that's, like, mainstream she loves. Mm-hmm. Michael Bublé. <laughs> she loves the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> everything that is mainstream she loves. Right. And so sometimes she finds my music a bit problematic. But that hasn't stopped me from making certain decisions. Like, I don't, like, my mom is a huge influence on my life huge but I have to be mindful that if, just because she doesn't like it doesn't mean it's not good yeah I have to be like no but like this is like who I am separate from me mom and we're open about it like we have a chill relationship about it but it's so funny talking to her being like yeah I'm glad you're having fun <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. yeah what does your mom say about your music her line is her typical line is I don't think I like this <laughs> uh, but it's fine they're like aggressively supportive so yeah. it's not like a problem but mm-hmm. um, uh, but also go, again throwback to what you said about intellectually challenging music I don't think that um, as soon as we start going down that path of saying our music is intellectually challenging, like you have to, my audience is smarter than me, you know, like that has to be the, as soon as you start thinking otherwise, you're out to lunch. That's such a smart, I love that. I remember there's like Norm. Speaking of comedians, Norm Macdonald talks about this concept of the artist not being smarter than his or her audience because it turns off the audience. And he's an incredibly intelligent man, but his comedy is never about I'm smarter than you, which is a lot of what comedy is these days. Uh-huh. It's like oh, this person did this crazy thing. Like, aren't they crazy? (laughs) Like, that's the joke, is, like, other people are dumber than you. And I think it's um, short-sighted. I don't think it's really that smart because you're taking away all the nuances and complexities of who these people are because they're all people. So I love that idea of, like, this music is for you, you complex, beautiful yeah. cornucopia of an audience. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's not like I am not better than you. I'm trying to serve you in, in a way and serve myself as well. Yeah. In fact, they are they are better than me because they are they're they're the ones that are right. Like once you put something out or once you play something for someone, it's their the aesthetic is in their imagination or something. The death like, of the artist. Do you think about yeah. your audience when you write? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, not in a conscious way. Like, I just do what I want. I make something I would like to, or that I feel moved by. And I believe that audiences a major criteria for me is sincerity and authenticity. And I think the most important factor in any artwork is making something with conviction. Like whatever it is, you are speaking in your own voice. You are letting your heart bleed out um, and, and uh, really like, I think when all of those elements are in play, like you're telling your truth, you're being authentic, you're making what you want to make, and you're doing it with love and with, like, honesty and vulnerability, I think that's what's infectious about art. Mm -hmm. And that audience members feel it, and they cling on to it. So I think about my audience in that sense, where it's like, I want to connect with them. Like, I want to give them my, my whole spirit. I want to give them exactly how I was feeling in this moment, or you know, depending on what I'm writing about, like I want to give them the whole of me and the whole of everything I feel about this. So, 
I think about them like that, like I want to give to them. But it's also for me. It's, yeah. it's very like... It's for me because it's what I love to do, but I think it's also... Anytime we're doing something that we love to do, I think we're serving the world, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's like, well, we, I guess in a, in a perfect world, we're writing what we want to hear. So it's like for us, mm-hmm. ultimately. But I don't know. Can I ask you a question about... Yeah. Uh, this is, it's funny because I get this question a lot. And I used to think it was a lame question. But I find myself asking it to people because now I have a lot of foresight on like what it means to be an artist but what why did you get into music and being an artist what's your music about (laughs) like why because it's such a I hate saying this actually I hate saying this because I don't want to discourage anyone but it's difficult in in ways that you may not expect like it's hard to make money like that's the obvious one yeah but it's challenging and in the way that it's so unpredictable, unpredictable, and and uh, yeah, you, you can't, yeah, you can't see the future, you know, mm-hmm. about your emotional well-being. So, I mean, maybe you don't even think about that when you decide to do it. But why did you get into it? Um, I just follow my friends around, first of all, and things cool things have happened but um, like in high school I just started playing music because my friends were doing it kind of thing mm-hmm. and then I went to I went to a school because my friends went there yeah. a year before me and I was like that's yeah, probably a good idea and then I did it again to another school <laughs> and now I'm here and I don't know what I'm doing but it's, <laughs> but, there, but ultimately there's a um, I'm like a sociopath is a strong word but one of the strongest (laughs) (laughs) um but i'm borderline sociopath maybe like there's a there's this element of like um (laughs) sorry i shouldn't tell somebody else how they feel (laughs) but like i'm kind of i'm pretty dead inside It's always been better when I'm playing, and I think that's mm-hmm. the only answer. Even when it's going awful, it's still the best thing. Is I that why you go to? Because you go to a lot of shows too. Yeah. Do you feel that when you see people play? As yeah. Well? It's like the like. I've said this on other podcast, several other podcasts, I think, and it, it keeps coming up. But like, I've been lucky to have like be born into a amazing, supportive family. But other aside from that, like everything good comes from music. Like mm. all my best friends, it's just like the ultimate thing. Mm. I think. Aside from, uh, on par with the Winnipeg Jets, there are two communities that are like really um, important, and I think so. I guess community and and music and. It's all it's all the same. Yeah. You did BAMP, right? Yeah. Me too, but not the jazz program. Uh, so you didn't work with Vijay? But he follows Gorlith, I think. He does, yeah. <laughs> he does follow the great Vijay Iyer, MacArthur uh, grant recipient, now Harvard professor. Yeah. Follows Gorlith Fair. He um <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to the J. <laughs> he says, th- I always forget what they are. Oh, or no, I've, I basically, I forgot what they were the second I left Banff. But he's, there's three C's. Community. Oh, man. I something and something. Yeah. About music? Yeah, or, or about like the Banff experience. Like community, creativity. It's like consciousness or something. Consciousness? I, no, I'm, I'm I don't not know. sure. I can't remember. Well, obviously he's going to listen to this, so. Yeah, the J. Let you us don't know. Remember what those C's are? <laughs> Control. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they don't really strike me as much of a sociopath. Yeah, no, we need. But like maybe because like aren't like sociopaths kind of playing at being human? 
They have they lack all like, they like blah, 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 blah. Empathy. <laughs> they like empathy. they lack any empathy. Yeah. Um. I don't know. But the fact that you care about community suggests to me that you're there's some empathy. Like I'm definitely not a sociopath. Podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. How? <laughs> people could have seen that, like, just bail. It's like you biffed it on the ground or something. Yeah. And... <laughs> uh, why did you two start playing music? Either or... or... Oh, I'll go first. This is Kira. <laughs> so, I am a... I've always loved singing. When I was a young child, I'd go for walks with my grandparents and I'd pretend I was Ariel from The Little Mermaid and go up on a rock pretend the waves were crashing around me and sing her like aria that she was singing like oh, like whatever and I, or like Part of Your World love that song good karaoke song um, but uh, so I've always loved singing and um, I've always loved, 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 loved music more than anything. But I also, even as a very small kid, was crazy shy and crazy performance anxiety. Um, and even like when I was, I think, 11, my mom put me in voice lessons and I cried every week. And the teacher's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he was a really gruff man, though, and I think he scared me. <laughs> but like... I cried all the time because I was so shy about singing and so shy about performing. And then, this is like my, my biography, um, when I was 13, I wanted to start like writing my own songs and my parents bought me this like really basic like acoustic guitar and I learned a few chords just to be able, to, I just wanted to sing and like accompany myself. I didn't really want to become like a guitar player. I started writing little songs and uh, did that for a long time and like was way too shy and scared to pursue music. I didn't do it in school, not even like, like I played trumpet in elementary school band, but like I didn't take music in high school, I took visual art and um, I was just like, it was unthinkable to me that I could sing in front of anyone. And I remember in grade 12, we had a talent show at my high school, and I sang two songs, and I thought I was going to die. But I was like, I have to do it. I have. Like, I've always had this, like, need to, to do it, even though it's like, like, it was like a phobia. That's the only way to describe it. Like, the, uh, the worst possible thing, but also the best possible thing mm -hmm. <laughs> at the same time. And then, as I got older, um... It actually, one sort of like, I don't want to call it a regret because I don't think regret isn't really a helpful thing, but I sometimes wish that like I could go back in time and like study music. I mean, I could go forward in time and study music, <laughs> like I could do it right now, but yeah. I think it would have been cool to go to music school. Um, but at the time, it was like not available to me. I was just like, no. And then um, I discovered looping was a thing and I started to do that because I was like well the only like instrument that I can really play is voice and I have all of these ideas for arrangements that I can't do on like an acoustic guitar that I can barely play or, yeah. or anything um, and so I started just vocal looping and making like just I don't know little fun fun things and um, that's how it started, and then I started doing open mics, but it was like the dread I felt beforehand would last days. I'd be like almost incapacitated, like dread, and then I'd do it, and well at first I, I would drink <laughs> to like get through it, but then afterwards it's like my body had been through so much stress that as soon as I walked off the stage I would like burst into shivers and shakes just like getting all that energy out so finally um, I did um, 
group therapy, <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy for social anxiety disorder, and it was helpful. It got me on stage. They also, I had the doctor prescribe me beta blockers to take um, right before a show, but they actually didn't work because I would get anxious anytime I took medication. And so when I took like, you're supposed to take like four, or you can take up to four, and I take like one and feel like, oh my god, I'm gonna die, like, <laughs> just like more anxious than before. Um, but that like CBT program helped so much and I started to get on stage and then the more I did it the more comfortable I felt um, but I still had a lot of trouble like playing with other people or like thinking about like recording something I just couldn't fathom like doing these things it was too scary um, and then I started seeing a therapist one-on-one -on -one and taking medication for anxiety and that helped so much so much mm -hmm. like learning the tools and then being able to calm down enough so that I could actually like put the tools into practice and I'm like the last couple of years of my life professionally creatively have been the best years of my life because before that I like was not able to do anything and and now I can it was my greatest demon but also this thing that I like needed Mm -hmm. I needed it and I still feel that way like I, I mean I'm much more comfortable now and I even enjoy performing now um, but I still work every day to like overcome uh, fear but it's cool I feel like it's my life path and it's what I need to do and I'm okay with never being rich <laughs> and like yeah. stuff like that just because like I think this is how I'm supposed to serve the world and it's just kind of funny that it's I've had to work so hard for it just fighting my own demons that any success that I have feels like the biggest success like I don't think I could ever become jaded about it or feel like oh like like I just I'm, I'm proud of how far I've come already, which is not, you know, in the grand scheme of things that far, but, like, it's something I never thought would happen. What about you? <laughs> That's such a beautiful answer. Yeah, it's like a real answer. Mine is I like, like I don't... Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Yeah. I woke up with a bass one day and... <laughs> all my friends were out. <laughs> Your answer was valid, too, because it showed how much you care about community and how you're inspired by your peers. Like, that's a big one. And then it gives the world color for you, yeah. which is beautiful. Since you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not. I don't, by the way, listeners, I don't think he is at all. He's just playing at it. Are you playing dead? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I got into music. If you're listening to this, they've already eaten the poison donuts. <laughs> There's only be, room for one podcast in this could town. Be poison. And, <laughs> you were right. This is a sociopath. Um, uh, let's see. I got into music in the way that a lot of kids do, where they're just shoved into piano lessons and music lessons. And uh, I was just trying to stomp around. <laughs> I'm trying to get a donut. It's fine. I got into art making. I'll, I don't know how much of my early years of music is of import. It is in the sense that, like, I had a lot of training, so I did a lot of music lessons, mm -hmm. voice lessons, piano lessons, some trumpet lessons later on. I entered all these competitions. I went through this circuit of music making. So, like, Kiwanis festivals where execution is the important part. Like executing something so perfectly and with such a veneer that you feel like a, a performer and you feel like you're doing the music justice because I did so much classical music. So much classical music. And that continued on into university, even into jazz school because I did classical music in university for a while and then I switched to jazz and there's a certain culture around it of being professional as you probably know knowing your stuff being able to hang mm -hmm. which I what does that mean? 
Me to be able to like play, like keep up. understand the language, play, like put in any situation in a jazz context. So if you're like going to play, like go to a jam session or any session, and people call tunes to play, you know the tune. Okay. You okay. can like play yeah. over the tune. You don't complain. You just do it. Um, well, sorry, it's Chris Pruden. Answer him. Put him on the pod. Oh really? yeah. Hello? Are you there? Right now you're on Mike's podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw James. I ate three tacos yesterday and then I was so dissatisfied with felt so hungry I had two pizzas licensed from the place across the street. this podcast we've already talked I don't know if we've already talked about this on air but I talked about how you eat like whatever you want and how what are you noticing um I feel like shit all the time Feeling like shit is normal. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty it's pretty sure. normal. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to Mike. Hey, Mike. Welcome, hi, Kira. Welcome to the pod. First ever <laughs> four-person. No, your taco yeah. story was really interesting. You're gonna be the star of this interview. Yeah. No. <laughs> this, is, this is definitely gonna be the Instagram teaser. <laughs> totally. You guys like like, I'm I so like, tacos. I like that. I just always walk away wanting more. No, I love tacos. Are you crazy? I I know what you're talking about because Ta- like I like <laughs> and I I like start with the greatest of intentions. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, and you can get like a few different types, you know. Yeah. But I'm usually like usually one of them's not as good as the other, and I'm usually a little bit hungry, and yeah, I like. I know you're always like, oh, the fish one was good, but the pole chicken was like not my favorite and yeah. then you're like well one out of three tacos ain't bad and, but then you're like oh but I'm still hungry so <laughs> yeah couldn't yeah, all of them have coming. been good and then you feel dumb because you're like I should just order one like three yeah. of this one type but then you're like but I should try them all I get it but, then, but I was like I should have just ordered ten of that one type and yeah. then maybe I was just gonna I don't know I am with Whatever. you it's true well yeah I don't want to try This is the great Rachel Cardiello Zinia. What is she going to say? Um, you don't sound like Rachel. Oh, I talk to Rachel? Well, she should say hi to the podcast. It's real. T- hey, just call in and say I love the podcast. Just wanted to say I love what you guys are doing. Love the voices. Long time listener, long time fan. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that was Am the. I on air? You are on air. Question for Don't Go Chase a Waterfall. Oh my god. <laughs> a great request from the great Rachel Cardiello of Zinia. Currently on tour. Currently on. Am I really on, on air? Well, you're on. You're on being recorded. But you're not live to air. But this will probably stay. <laughs> this will probably stay. Yeah. Well, let it be known that I did once request Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls live on radio. And I was so excited that I screamed at the end. Oh. Like, I thought I had hung up. But it was still there. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love that song. It's a really good song. Uh, Pretty good. Who's that by? TLC. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Don't Who are you, go, Who are you interviewing? We're, We're being, being interviewed, interviewed. <laughs> by uh, oh, Mike DeCant of Knockout Ginger. Oh, wait. Who's interviewing you? <laughs> His no name one. is Mike DeCant. Do you want to say hi, Mike? Hey, thanks for yeah, calling. Mike. <laughs> Long time <wasn't> I- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, and, anyway, I'll let you guys go. Uh, Chris is just eating an insane amount of 
tour done oh wait what did you say when is this tour over when is your tour over wait we're uh, back or, or when does it <laughs> when is it like what are the dates of the tour yeah uh oh well we're actually doing a few joint shows i should say we're doing this amazing like show in calgary for like a, the femway festival it's like a fundraiser and uh that's on June 28th and we're also doing a house show together at Chris's house (laughs) oh and we're playing at the aviary in Edmonton on the 26th is he chewing? (laughs) (laughs) he's eating wasabi peas okay we're gonna go Chris love you (laughs) see ya bye okay bye Um, this might not be out by then but maybe some tour promo. Oh, no worries, yeah. Um, but no one's listening out there yet, so... People will be. No one? I, I mean, think, out, like, out west, I mean. Oh, oh I think true. probably get a few. Um, then I became an artist. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to... Sum, okay, I'll, I'll sum that up super quickly. So... You don't know Rush, don't you? doesn't matter. No, I, I think... I think I could probably articulate it in a, like I'm trying to bring it all together because I have learned that music seems to be the best vessel to express the very complicated thoughts in my head and it's not even through conversation it's not even through being with people I love, while that I value that actually higher than art. Uh, but for some reason, music seems to be the easiest way for me to communicate who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that it's music is like actually kind of arbitrary. And it's, it's comforting to say that now. Because I, I used to think I'm a musician, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'm a technician. I, I, I saw that as a big part of my identity. Um, but I think I would have, if I wasn't a musician, I would have tried some, something else in the arts because art can show so many shades of things and it's meant to be seen in so many different lights. And, and I think music can be seen as really oblique, but uh, I like that. I really like it because the thoughts in my head are very oblique and it takes a while for me to externalize them. And then when I hear my work, I really feel like that's who I am. I do. Even if I hate it, I'm like, well, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that, but that's me. And me talking about how I hate certain things about myself is just never enough. It's never enough. It's never like, oh, I hate this certain part of my body. Like, that's only one small part of it. But words are just can't articulate the complexity of certain things that I hate about myself in the way that music can. How early on in the process did you realize that was a thing? I realized it after my first album. Because my first album was all about doing the right things... In a, in a music school context being professional recording an album to put out there just to have a piece of material to promote mm-hmm. you know I wasn't really thinking about why I was doing it I was just doing it because we were talking about the system of putting out music I was just going through those like motions of doing it yeah. and I cared deeply about the music but I knew I wasn't th- I knew that there was a huge part of myself that I was blocking off. Huge, huge, huge. And uh, that was like a lot of vulnerable thoughts and a lot of insecurities and a lot of love, actually. A lot of intense love that I feel for other people and myself. 
but in my mind I thought this isn't really appropriate maybe to be that personal but then after working through the first record and feeling that dissatisfaction I realized you're not really telling people who you are through this music you're just being a professional musician mm -hmm. and that was a bit of an awakening for me I'm like okay well with this next record I'm gonna try to tell people who I am in the realest sense is that this one that just came out, or yeah. how many of you? Okay. Yeah, 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 it's this one. And I hear it f for sure this time. And yeah, it's not all good. <laughs> but at least I can say, I can stand by all the decisions I made. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's why I've chosen this medium. It just seems to be the, the one thing I can use to express myself. Because you probably, have you ever thought about being anything other than a musician? Not really. Yeah. In fact, I actively try to. <laughs> like, I've, I often search for plan B. What do you try to be? I don't try to be anything. I try to find something else to be, okay. maybe. <laughs> that's, how, that's why I know it's important, because I've never found, like, a... A worthy plan B, mm. I think. But I'm 30 and I live with my parents, so... <laughs> Everything's going great for me. Oh, my... Um, I have nothing... I But on the, the more serious side, I like have nothing to complain about. Like, never had a real problem in my life, you know? Mm. So... Yeah, isn't it funny when you meet people who have real problems? Funny? Dude, <laughs> it's so hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious when I meet people, because it just shows how, like, idiotic I am. I just get caught up in, like, my own stuff, and then someone says, like, for the first five years of my life, I lived in a cage. You're like, what? You know, like, that's what happens, though. Like, we think we're so, like, we're, like artists think they're such tragic cases. Yeah. And some of them do are tragic cases. They are, but like there are many that are like me that like haven't really gone through a significant amount of trauma. Just some. And yeah, I'll meet some and I go through my mind thinking about my art and writing it out on pieces of paper and then I talk to someone who's like an accountant and was like, Oh yeah, I'm a refugee and my family's dead. And I'm like, yikes. <laughs> I need to, like, think about my own life. Yeah. You know? Not to, like, diminish the issues that I go through, but... Uh, yeah, everything's fine for me. I can say that, which is yeah. nice. You know? Yeah. If I'm honest, I thought I would be... I thought I would have more gigs at this point. But aside <laughs> from that, everything's, like, fine. Funny thing to have like on a tombstone. I thought I'd have more kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I did this to myself though. Um, what do you guys have coming up? Oh, Phyllis, or as musicians or podcasters or. Uh, I'm going on tour soon. Uh, I don't know when this will air, but it'll either be after the tour, mid-tour, before. It doesn't really matter. When does your tour start? It starts on June 16th, and it basically ends on July 25th, but we're kind of hopping back in and out of town. But we're basically just touring the new record around Canada. And yeah, and then I guess, yeah, I guess many cool shows coming up, I guess. Go check the website. Yeah, there's going to be links to all the things. There'll be links. Go check the website for specifics and see which show you might be able to make it out to. I'm sure it'll be good because we care so much. Yeah. We but do. Generally, it's Western Canada? Yeah, a big part of Western Canada. Like, a lot of dates in Alberta and BC. And then dates in Ontario and um, Quebec. Nice. Yeah. Any jazz fests? Yeah, we're playing Vancouver... Jazz Festival, Victoria Jazz Festival, Calgary Jazz Festival, and Medicine Hat Jazz Festival. Nice. And I think that's all for the jazz festival. Yes. Yeah. And then the rest are 
just other festivals. We're doing North by North East and uh, yeah, the Femway Festival. Sweet. And I know yeah. I know a couple people that have gotten the Medicine Hat yeah. Jazz Festival. I didn't even know there was one there. I didn't know either. And it, apparently it's great, but I didn't know about it. And I'm excited to go there. And Kira, what do you have coming? Oh, well, after a year of dropping off the face of the earth, I'm going to play a couple shows nice. in Toronto. You mean like not, you haven't been gigging for... I've just been in my house. Nice. <laughs> not even like on the internet. <laughs> just a recluse. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I'm playing at the Baby G on July 9th with Poems and Minja. So that'll be a good Sweet. one. And I'm just working on a record which will not be out anytime soon. <laughs> so I think I'm back in town the night before this the Baby G show. Cool, you should come. I will. Ninja, shout out to Ninja. She's great. I love her. She's one of my favorite people. And then uh, Gorillaz is just going to keep on keeping on. Yeah. More yeah. guests, mm-hmm. more shenanigans. We're going to do some like on the street kind of episodes yeah where we go on location and do stuff we're actually about to record after you leave we're gonna record a podcast oh yeah can we talk about what it's about sure it'll have already aired it'll have already aired yeah (laughs) it's about aging in the industry for women yeah we're gonna have a spa night and take care of our skin as we talk about like how Women aren't allowed to age. <laughs> yeah, the thing. A- the is, aging out of women in the music industry. Yeah, it's a. I had a friend, well, an acquaintance, at one of the schools I went to, who was. Sh- maybe I might say too much. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have a so. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for letting us have it here. Dude, so easy. Yeah. yeah super easy. I did one I did one outside recently and I totally regret it. Yeah. After, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Frigging around with the fucking garage band for hours trying to figure out how to make it sound fine, but there's like lawnmowers and birds and Lawnmowers and birds. I like the mess. sound of a lawnmower though, hey? I find it. Not the birds, though. <laughs> yeah, actually, I hate birds. I'm not even kidding. Wait, seriously? I hate them. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. If, for some reason, I just don't like a bird. I don't know if they're for me. Yeah, or... like, I just don't. I've never been like, oh, a bird. Never. Really? Uh-uh. I don't like them. I just like my association with birds are negative. They've always been that way. But lawnmowers... Positive Very memories. Very positive, because I think about, like, summertime in Chilliwack, and my dad would, like, mow the lawn, and like, oh, we can go play outside, because the grass is freshly cut. Yeah. But I just don't, like, I was attacked by a crow once, and I never forgot it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah birds, no. Not for me. Yeah, I'm allergic to everything, so, like, someone was, like, we were on a patio, and, like, someone was cutting the grass, and, like, eventually I was just, like slobbering and crying <gasps> so like half the podcast is me going like <laughs> <laughs> it's Sorry, delightful I, I to laugh at your misfortune. that's funny though it's comedy and tragedy yeah <laughs> a tragic comic Vijay Iyer what? is that correct? <laughs> yes does he have a record called tragic comic or something? does he? uh I think he does. Oh, it comes up. Or he is a is the third and last single of. I think it is a Vijay thing. Tragic comedy.